on his bad day, and I am on a good one. He didn't get to come in to work yesterday. He's sick and got that old, yeah, you hear him up here. but So he's probably not going to be hugging and kissing on y'all when it's over with. But Through the fire. I don't think there's a person in this building that hadn't felt the flames of, of adversity and trials and tribulations, uh, some as recently as on the way to church, probably. I was talking with Scott Kemp today. Many of you wanted a, an update on them. Well, uh, after three weeks of being illegally uh, jailed with no bail set, his team, all of his team is out of jail. They're back in the United States. And uh, Scott wanted me to thank all of you for your prayers, and he said it was his greatest evangelistic uh, trip ever that they had over 10,000 people come to know Jesus as a result of this trip. Praise God for that. The last Sunday that he was there, he, he spoke in the largest church in India where in three services there was a combined total of 45,000 people that heard the gospel that one day. Praise God. We may have to go through some fire. We may have to feel the heat. But I want you to know something. If we will just let God be God, he's good at it. If we'll let our light shine, people will see him through us. Here we are, 2018. How many of you made a mistake writing a check already and put 2017 on it? I have. 2018. One of the things that I noticed, I've been a Christian 40 years now, and I've noticed, uh, Seemingly every year that everybody expects every pastor to have a word from God with a little catchphrase for that church for the year. I don't have one. So you can expect it all you want. Get your own word. That's what I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight. You need to seek God and you need to hear God for your life. Your circumstance, your marriage, your business, your children, your walk with God, your vocation, your calling. And it's going to be even more important from this point on until you die, I die, or until the Lord returns and catches us away in the rapture or the catching away of the saints. More and more importantly than ever before, you need to hear God. Because I want you to know something. I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm not a gloom and doom guy. I'm not a pessimist. But according to the word that I read, it's as good as it's going to get. I want you to know that perilous times are coming. Oh, things are heating up a little bit now, but the perilous part didn't got here yet. Trouble is everywhere. But the perilous times haven't gotten here yet. They're on their way. And you need to develop right now the ability to hear God. Because you're going to find yourself in circumstances, not just in the time of difficulty and adversity, but in the times of needing to hear God as far as direction in your life. And you don't need to be running to this or any other pastor wanting a word from God. You need to hear God. Somebody besides her needs to hear God.
Now, that's a term that we, if we're not careful, we'll say, well, God don't ever talk to me. Yeah, he does. You might not have learned to hear his voice yet. You might not have learned to recognize his voice. But if you're a child of God, he speaks. And he wants you, he's given you the ability to hear. I was hoping that Philip Owens would be here tonight so that he could confirm this one story. I'm going to show you one way that you hear the voice of the Lord. One Sunday afternoon, a good number of years ago, when Philip and I were traveling together a lot, rodeoing, we were going to a roping over in Texas on Sunday afternoon. And as we were pulling out of my road and headed up towards Interstate 20, there was just overwhelming feeling that came over me that you don't need to go to this roping. <laughs> I love to rope. That's what we do. Chance to win money, stuff, and things. You don't need to go to this roping. And I mean, that's all it was. Whew. I said, PD, I'm not supposed to go to this roping today. John, you verify this. You talk to Philip. I said, PD, I'm not supposed to go to this roping today. Why not? I said, I don't know. I just know that I'm feeling strongly impressed of God. I'm not supposed to go to this road. I said, I'll tell you what, if you'll just pull over on the side of the road, I'll unload my horse and saddle him, and I'll ride him back to the barn. It's not but a couple of miles back there. I'll ride him back home. You go on to the road. Well, heck no. You ain't going. I ain't going. Something might be wrong. So we turned around, went back to the barn. That was Sunday. Two days later, I hook up to that same trailer, going to haul Phillips' horses up to the blue barn up at the fairgrounds. They had a winter series roping going on. It was the last night, and Philip was winning the, the, the series uh, for saddles and stuff. And So I was going to haul his horses up there because he was going to the Rose Garden because his daughter Tiffany was singing in a Christmas deal out there, little girl. Well, I drive about a mile from the house and I'm getting down on interstate and I'm probably running 35 miles an hour and I felt the trailer shake one time and as I look in my mirror I was looking in my mirror to the left to get on the interstate I'm coming on the entrance ramp and I saw one flash of sparks that ain't supposed to happen so I pull over on the side of the interstate and I get out and I go back there and I look and a couple of boards had fallen out of the floor of that trailer. And Phillip's roping horse's front legs had gone through the floor. But thank God the rubber mats that they stand on had balled up underneath his legs and held his legs up off of the floor, off the highway. And he was fine. Philip later on roped on him that night. He did good. And, but standing straddle of him was a horse that within a matter of a few weeks they were going to sell for a whole lot of money. To Martha Joseph. Now, had we not turned around and gone back to the house, we'd have been on the interstate. We'd have probably been running 70, 75 miles an hour. And that story would have had most likely a different ending. You've got to learn to listen sometimes to a still small voice. Sometimes God will speak to you through his written word. Sometimes he'll speak to you 
in your spirit and in your heart. But you've got to learn to listen to that voice. You see, the Lord orders the steps of a righteous man. He doesn't, he's not the author of confusion. He doesn't want us walking around in, in a daze. He wants us walking with purpose. He wants us walking with power. He wants us walking in victory. He wants us walking in such a way that we bring glory and honor to him and we have pleasure in our life because when we're in obedience to God, that's better than anything else we can do. So if you have your Bibles, I want to read to you a passage of Scripture tonight from John, the seventh chapter. I'm not really sure what verse I'll start at yet. While you're getting to John 7, let me get a drink here. Now, the passage of Scripture that we're going to be reading tonight is has taken place about six months before the Lord is going to die on Calvary for us. And about a year and a half prior to this moment, in the same town where he's at, he had completely healed a man on the Sabbath. And this really upset the leaders of that time, both the spiritual leaders and the political leaders. And there was basically a contract put out on him. They sought Jesus out to kill him. And he slipped incognito into the distance, but yet he's about to resurface and reappear. In these last six months, he's going to begin to proclaim who he is, why he's here. And so we pick up in verse 25. Now, some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from. But when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from. And I have to not come of myself, but he... Uh, who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. It wasn't time for him to go through the stuff he was about to. And many of the people believed in him and said, When the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him or to arrest him. They sent out a crew to go arrest him. Then Jesus said unto them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said, you will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come? Now, on the last day, that great day of the feast, which is the Feast of the Tabernacles, this normally takes place in October, on the great day of the feast, uh, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
but he spake but this he spake concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the holy spirit was not yet given because jesus was not yet glorified therefore many from the crowd when they heard this saying said truly this is a prophet others said this is the christ but some said will the christ come out of galilee has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. That's the second time of that. Then the officers came to the chief priests and to the Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. And I'm just going to quit right there. I'll let you read the rest of the story yourself. But I want to talk to you very briefly tonight on that one phrase that no man has ever spoke like this man. Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey when he said, peace, be still? Who is this that says to the demon in the demoniac of Gadara, come out, and he comes out? Who is this that spoke those words, Lazarus, come forth, and he came forth? Who is this Jesus of Nazareth? He is the Christ. He is God in the flesh. Manifest among us because of love. He came to die our death, to pay a price that we could not pay, to give a gift that we could not buy. Who is this that never one has spoke like him before? This is the one that we see him with the woman taken in an act of adultery as he kneels down and he begins to write in the sand. And no scholar can tell you exactly and definitively what he wrote. Many believe he was writing the sins of those that were standing around. Makes sense, but we don't know that. But I do know this, that after he stood up, he said, let him that is without sin cast the first stone. Beginning at the eldest all the way down to the least, they begin to drop their rocks and walk away. I stole this phrase from Scott Kemp. He said, did you notice? The ones that would have stoned her couldn't. The one that could have stoned her wouldn't. See, Jesus was the only one without sin. He was the only one that could have cast that stone. But yet he says to this woman, where are thine accusers? I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Who is this man that spoke in ways that demons tremble? Never has one spoke like this before. And I assure you, as many of you tonight can testify, when you've heard his voice, you know it. And his word declares this, that my sheep know my voice, and another they'll not follow. That's why I'm telling you and urging you and prompting you and exhorting you that you'd better begin to learn to hear his voice. If you're a sheep of his, if you're a child of his, you need to learn his voice, know his voice, follow his voice. I don't care who else it goes against. 
You do what the Lord says to do. One thing I've discovered is oftentimes when he tells you to do something, it don't make a lick of sense. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, build a church out here in Greenwood. You lost your mind? And I'm not trying to be funny. It just seldom does what God tells us make sense. And even more rarely, when God tells you to do something, is it within your ability to just do it? Why is that? Have you ever thought about that? I believe it's because he wants to have us in a position of having to depend upon him so that our walk of faith looking to him, the author and the finisher, we get to see him show up, show out, and do great and wondrous things in our midst that we know we couldn't have done, that it was him and him alone. It's important that you learn to hear this one speak that has never spoke like the words that you will hear him speak to you. Very, very important. I want you to recognize this. One of the devil's favorite tools, you've heard me say many, many times, and I believe it with all of my heart, it's why I keep repeating it. It's not that you're so much in the slow learner's class. It's just that I have to hear it over and over again for myself. And it's simply this. One of the devil's favorite tools to work against you is to create in you the feeling of hopelessness. He wants you to be at a place to where you feel like your circumstances, your situation is not only unique in that you're the only one experiencing them and having them, but your situation is hopeless. Why is that? Quite simple. We know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if he can get you to where you believe that your situation is hopeless, you can't even have faith. It's impossible to have faith unless you're believing that the things that you're hoping for will come to pass. So he speaks hope to the hopeless. He speaks healing to the sick and to the afflicted. There are testimonies in this room tonight that if I passed around a microphone, I promise you we'd be here for another hour and a half or two hours of people sharing what the Lord has done for him. I'll share with you, too. Lady sitting over there with the gray hair in that rocking chair. Used to sit right back there when the stage was sitting down here. She had hurt her shoulder real bad, and she couldn't, she couldn't get her arm up. Now, if I lie, I want you to speak it out. One night during the praise and worship, the Spirit of the Lord was in the house, and he was moving, and her focus was on him. And she was loving on Jesus. And all of a sudden, the next thing she notices, both arms is up over her head. And she thought, what the what? <laughs> and she realized that her shoulder and her arm had been healed right then as she worshiped him. There are others in this house tonight that had a cancerous tumor on them. Stood for prayer only to get home and find out that the tumor was gone. Listen, friend, only God can do that. Only God can speak healing to the sick and to the afflicted. 
I want to just take a moment to explain to you something at this point. I know we do a whole lot of things different in open range than we do in a lot of other places, and that doesn't mean that the other places are wrong, but I'm responsible to God to do things the way that he's told me to do them, okay? Have you noticed? Well, how do I word it? When we first moved in this church, God spoke to me very clearly. He said, don't you lay hands on anybody until I tell you to. That made me step back because as an, I'd been an evangelist for many years and God had used me not only in evangelism but in praying for the sick and watching them be healed and miracles take place. But when he said, don't lay hands on anybody till I tell you to, I thought, well, why? Your word says to call the sick, anoint them with all, pray the prayer of faith, and the Lord will raise them up. And then I began to understand it was because of this. In this place, there was going to be a people that was going to come. They were tired of religion, tired of denomination, tired of a church that had a form of godliness but no power. They needed to encounter the reality of the presence and the power of God. And that if I would just give them an opportunity to say, that's me, and if they would say, I need you, then it'd be between them and the Lord and what the Lord did in their life. No man could take credit or glory for it, but nobody could convince that person that what happened to them wasn't real. That's why we do things a way around here that when, even, if, even as far as salvation goes, sometimes we have people come forward, sometimes we don't. I want you to know, you can be saved in a jail cell. You can be saved at a rodeo. You can be saved at your house. You can be saved checking cows, and you can even get saved in church. You can get saved at the altars. You can get saved in your seat. You can get saved on a bread route. You can get saved in a bar. I've seen it happen. The thing is this. I want us all to realize I need to hear the voice of the Lord calling to me to come. I need to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit say, that's you that I'm talking to. And to be obedient and to be between me and God and watch God work in my life so that I can have a personal testimony of I once was, but now am. I want you to have that kind of a confrontation and experience with the Lord where you get knocked off of your high horse or even just a Shetland pony, it don't matter, but where you get knocked off of your horse, you have that Damascus Road encounter with Jesus Christ, and your life is transformed and changed, and you may not ever be able to adequately explain it, but nobody will ever convince you that what happened to you wasn't real, because you knew what manner of man you were, and you know what manner of man you now are. You know what God has done in your life. Ultimately, it all comes down to this. You're responsible for you. You're accountable for you. You and God learn to hear his voice. I won't stand before him for you. You will. So he speaks healing to the sick. He speaks forgiveness to sinful man, which, by the way, is all of us. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none of us that's righteous. No, not one. We've all fumble the ball. We've all made mistakes. And that's the way, if you ever notice how people say, well, I made some mistakes and true enough that is, but we never like to use that word sin. I sinned. Let's call it what it is. Sin. 
Can't you hear the devil in it? Beloved, I would that you sin not, but if you do, you have an advocate with the Father Christ Jesus, our Lord. He's speaking to you to come. Whosoever will, come. Come unto me, and I'll in no wise cast you out. Come on. Come to me. He speaks forgiveness. The devil wants to tell you you've been too bad. Not true. Not true. I want to make one thing perfectly clear. There's one sin that's unforgivable. When the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart and knocking on the door of your heart saying, come, you need a Savior. You need your sins forgiven. And you go, no. You resist. You say, no. You know. You know. No. 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 And you blaspheme and reject and push the, the voice of the Holy Spirit away. That can't be forgiven. That cannot be forgiven. When you feel the Spirit of the Lord and the voice of the Lord speaking to you to come, come, have your sins forgiven how about to those in the household of faith those that are walking with god what does he speak he speaks strength he speaks speaks wisdom and direction and peace and power and provisions and he speaks love and encouragement he speaks comfort let's not forget he's the one that speaks and creates something out of nothing he's the one that says let there be light and there was light he's the one that speaks it makes a way where there seems to be no way. His word covers it. His word is enough. He speaks victory over such things as addictions and hurts and wounds and sin and unforgiveness and past failures. He speaks to those things. And he not only speaks, but his blood as we sang tonight, washes away our sins, cleanses us though they were scarlet, they're white as snow because of one drop of Jesus' blood. Quickly, I'll share this, and then I'm going to close. Most of you have heard the testimony of how this place came to pass, and I'm not going to share it all, but I want to share you the first part of it because it's relevant to what I just said. I'd come in off of the road and went to bed and, in the middle of the night, I woke up. I was laying on my right side. And as soon as I woke up, there was a hand came out of the dark right up to the edge of my bed, and blood started dripping off of that hand. And then another hand did that, and there was a little flicker of fire. And I saw this slight cloud face come down and went, breathed on that fire, and it became this huge fireball. It lit up my room. I felt the heat off of it, and then it was gone. I'd never had a vision. First vision I ever had. Oh, old men dream dream, young men see visions. <laughs> that was the first vision I ever had. I sat up on the side of the bed. I didn't know what it meant. I looked at the clock. It's 2.02 in the morning, and I walk out on the front porch. Maybe I don't need to put this picture in your mind, but I was in my underwear. And I said, Lord, what are you trying to say? And here, it's like he turned a video camera on. I could see this vision again come. But this time, right behind my right side, I heard an audible voice speak. And explained the vision as I saw it. He said, soon, 
Many will come that need the cleansing of my blood, and there's more than enough for all that come. He said, even now the fire of my spirit burns in your midst, and I'm about to breathe on you, and you're going to see things you've only dreamed of and prayed for. It's gone. Within two weeks after that moment, I didn't have a clue what that meant. I was traveling and preaching all across the country, and within two weeks' time, the Lord began to lay on my heart about building this place, and I pulled a Jonah. I went the other way. I didn't want to do this. One night I'll share an updated version of what God has done for those of you that don't know, but it's truly been nothing short of a miracle to watch God work and to watch God do what only God can do as to how everything has taken place in the lives that have been impacted and changed in these past eight years. But there was that blood. Life is in the blood. Even in the physical nature, the blood carries oxygen, oxygenates all the vital stuff. Blood carries a lot of things that sustains life. But there is no more life than the life that is in the blood of Jesus that cleanses our sins and gives us eternal life. I want to close tonight by admonishing you to do this. Be resolved. Make a commitment to yourself to begin to seek God unlike you've ever sought him before because you have God's word that says this. When you search for me with all of your heart, key words, with all of your heart, you'll find me. When you search for me as a hidden treasure, you'll find me. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. Brothers and sisters, and as we come down the final stretch, we need to finish strong. We don't need to weaken. We need to run hard all the way to the finish line. We need to be a representation of Christ to this world in which we reside and to the people in which we know to bring glory and honor to Him. Would you bow your heads? And I'm just going to ask tonight if you're in this place and you're one of those that I talked about a minute ago where you've allowed the devil to convince you that your situation is hopeless and you needed to hear that He's a God of hope. You say, preacher, pray for me. Could I see your hand? Anyone felt like it? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Just shoot it up and shoot it right back down. Yes, sir. Thank you. God sees them. That's important. God has spoken to some of you as far as direction in your life, and you're running from that call. You're running from that word. No one's looking around. If that's you, would you just say, raise your hand and say, Dennis, that's me. I want to pray for you. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Very quickly. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Very quickly. That's you. Say, Dennis, that's me. I'm tired of running. I want to run to him, not from him. Anyone else? Very quickly. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Quickly, and I'll move along. Thank you, sir. 
Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Dennis, I've heard you speak and I've heard his voice speak of deliverance for the captive. I don't know what it is that has you captive, but I know this, that he's come to set at liberty those that are captive. If that's you, can I see your hand? I want to pray for you. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Quickly, shoot it up. It's between you and God. Anyone else? Quickly. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Get it up. Get it down. All right. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Dennis, I'm lost. And I'm on my way to hell and I don't want to go there. And I'd like to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins and be my Savior tonight. You want to take care of some business right where you are. If that's you, could I see your hand real quickly? Anyone? You say, Dennis, that's me. Anyone? Thank you, sir. In the balcony, anyone else? Very quickly. Get it up and get back down. Yes, sir. You can slip it right back down. Back down on the main floor. Anyone else? You say, Dennis, that's me. Thank you, ma'am. Maybe you were once a prodigal son or daughter. You, or maybe you are now a prodigal son or daughter. You once walked close to God. You recognize that you need to run to Him and get things right again and get back in a right relationship. Could I see your hand? Raise it up and get it down. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Quickly, get it up. This is your moment. It's between you and God. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Look up here at me. The love of God, it's, it, it's, it's almost beyond our comprehension. Many hands have gone up in this house tonight for many different things. It's because he's speaking to you. His voice of his Holy Spirit has spoken to you for the various things right where you sit. And he wants to make a difference in you so that you can make a difference in life. For those of you that raised your hand for salvation, I want you to understand, no magic formula. The Word of God simply says that we have to believe. We have to believe that He is, Jesus is God's Son that came to planet Earth in the form of humanity, was tempted and tried and tested in all ways that you and I are, but He stayed without sin, stayed faithful to a mission where He voluntarily laid His life on a cross and died a death to pay a price for our sins. But it didn't stay dead. This is the part I love to tell. He does not stay dead. He walked out of a grave with the keys of death, hell, and the grave, with the desire and the ability to give life to those that would call on him. But he said, if we believe in our heart, believe that in our heart and confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus it's that simple. Calling upon his name to be saved. And then he expects you to be a seeker of him as he'll begin to form in you convictions as to do and to not do. And as you learn to hear his voice, he'll teach you how to become the person that he wants you to be if you'll be honest with yourself and honest with him. So with that understanding, would you bow your head and I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but my prayers can't save you. You need to ask with your mouth and cool thing is he knows if you mean it so let's pray say Lord Jesus I don't understand your love but I accept it I do believe you're God's son that died in my place so that I could live 
And I ask you tonight, Lord, to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me with your blood, to come into my life and to be my Savior and my Lord. Teach me, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit to hear your voice, to learn your ways, to walk a walk that is pleasing to you. Help me, God, to learn your voice. In Jesus' name. Lord, you saw the many other hands go up across this place tonight. Feelings of hopelessness and loneliness and rejection. Lord, all of the things that have been raised, their hands have raised tonight, signifying needs in their lives. Your word told us to call upon you and you'd show us great and mighty things. Now, Lord, I'm asking you to show up in their lives and to do miracles. God, I pray that you would move mightily in their circumstances. I pray tonight that depression would be broken. I pray tonight that that feelings of inferiority would be gone. That, Lord, that as you wrap your arms of compassion around them, and, Lord, as your spirit indwells in them, that, Lord, that you would fortify them and strengthen them and raise them up. God, that they sense and know that you're not only with them, but you're in them. And that if you're for us, who can be against us? Lord, I pray that you would right now make a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, for those two couples that are on the verge of calling it quits, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to Swallow their pride. Ask for forgiveness. Give forgiveness. And that their marriage won't become a statistic, but it'll become a testimony of praise as to what you're going to do. That Lord, that help them, Lord, to love one another. Lord, help them to realize that when they made a commitment to one another, it's commitment. Lord, help them to stick with the stuff and to battle through it and to work through it and to walk through it with your help and your grace and your strength. Very quickly, no one's looking around. If you have an addiction in your if you have an addiction, I want you to stand to your feet. You're ready to give it to the Lord and you're ready to walk away from it. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you and believe for deliverance. Anyone, very quickly. Lord has moved on me in that area. If that's you, stand to your feet real quick. No one's looking around. I want to pray for you. Real quickly. Between you and God. You and God. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Lord, in the name of Jesus. Your word tells us that when we pray for these circumstances to first bind the strong man. So we take authority and dominion over the devil and the strong man that has come to entangle. Lord, we speak the name of Jesus. That's above every name. God, that this addiction would be broken. Tonight, Lord, we ask that supernatural might of God would come upon the natural man and set him free. 
We ask it, simply ask it in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.